0: At Qualcomm, we believe in staying connected, and you can see us wherever 5G is helping transform telemedicine, supporting remote education, and powering mobile PCs. The Invention Age is here. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash inventionage.
1: Then a any surprise, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you trust your government? You know, Do you think your government's on your side or have they got their hands in your pocket? That's the question. You know how people are going broke today. We've been, I've been saying this for years at Rich Dad, we're run by a whole bunch of people like my poor dad. Very good people, PhDs, broke. And the only way they can get rich is by running for public office and leaving rich. Do you know what I mean? How else does a person like President Obama come to office poor and leave extremely rich? Now, I'm not Republican or Democrat. I'm just pointing out some certain things to you. Because years and years ago, I learned not to trust my government. I don't believe a word they say. This new guy uh, who Trump just uh, brought in, General McMaster, you know, i, I got to get his book because he's writing about how they lied to us about Vietnam. And we're, I'm of that era. And when I was in Vietnam, I realized we we're being lied to. So I'm fighting for a corrupt bunch of lies. You know, they had McNamara and his boys from the Kids and all this. And it had nothing to do about fighting a war for humanity. It was about making money, ripping us off. Or as General Dwight D. Eisenhower warned us, Beware the military-industrial complex. So the question is, how far has legalized corruption spread through government? That's the question. Because you're gonna find out today how pervasive it is. Because I was just in uh, Barcelona, Spain a couple of days ago, and those guys are living in denial. Here's the headlines of the paper saying, Barcelona, Spain's pension plans are out of money. And they said, oh, don't worry, You know, we'll just make more money. I said, well, the question is, where'd the money go? Do you know what I mean? Where did, it didn't just disappear. Somebody took that money. The state of California, CalPERS, which is the largest public pension plan in the United States, I think somebody had to sue them. The LA Times had to sue them to actually get their financial statements. They had to sue the CalPERS government to say well how much have you guys got in this pension because i don't know i got 9 9 trillion government civil servants in california are counting on it to retire on and calpers won't give them the numbers so finally after the lawsuit calpers acknowledged this is the biggest public servant pension plan in the united states acknowledged they're underwater a trillion dollars. And they just throw these, numbers. It's, just, it's just a trillion dollars. Well, a trillion dollars is a thousand billion. You know, it's getting ludicrous to absurd to the ridiculous. It's, And who is ripping us off? You see, a lot of people are blaming my friend Donald Trump. Again, I'm not Republican or Democrat, but they think the rich are ripping them off. I think it's our public servants. I think the very people we elect to office, not just in Arizona where I live, or California, or the states, or the world, is a is a disease called kleptocracy. Kleptocracy is when our leaders steal from us. We're no longer a democracy; it's just a kleptocracy. It's where our public officials actually steal from us. So today we have a very very special show, <laughs> talking about a man from The Insider. He's I must disclose he's a dear personal friend. His wife and kids and my wife and we get along like a house on fire. He is is a capitalist who went to the dark side government. (laughs) So Councilman Sal DeSisio is our special guest today. He's been serving the city of Phoenix on the city council since 2009. Must disclose I support his campaign and his funding because he is a capitalist. And Sal is the only guy I know who has the—well, in— Spanish, they call it huevos, you know, balls, cojones, to uh, take on the labor unions. So the government labor unions are after Sal and his family constantly, and they want, they want to blackmail him and pound him. So anyways, with deep uh, respect for his courage in his life and his family, he still takes on the government. So he's here to talk about how badly— The government is ripping us off. The very people we vote to and elect, those guys are not here to help you. They're here to help themselves. It's called kleptocracy. Welcome to the program, Sal.
2: Thank you, Robert. I enjoy being here, and thank you for the kind words, too.
1: Well, we we need courage, like Trump has courage. I, I know he's done some horrible things, has said some horrible things. But nonetheless, guy's got guts. He is shaking
2: it up. Well, anybody that's looking to reform government is always going to be under attack. That's just what it is.
1: But you know what bug, bugs me? The people that claim he's the crook are the crooks.
2: That's exactly the point. The people—if you look at the—you'll—you'll you'll never see any of this stuff in the mainstream media. I am so tired of watching yeah. the stuff I see on TV and on the radio. It's all about how bad somebody is. It's because he's trying to make reforms that are going to fix things, and it's not a republic. I, I think you hit it right on the head. It is not a Republican or Democrat thing. They're all corrupt. They really are. It's kleptocracy. The, it's, it's insane. Not a democracy. It's a kleptocracy. Mm-hmm. They're here to steal. And it is they enter office poor, leave very rich. Their legalized corruption is right. what's occurring right now, and I think Donald Trump and others are trying to fix it.
1: So you were on this program before, and you talked about how you know. The, you started off small. Now you're getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. You're paying pay just a bigger target there, Sal. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you talked about how some of the police officers are spiking their pensions. What does that mean? What does that
0: mean?
2: is that Well, spiking, it was government. It's happening across the country. What they do is they find ways to increase their pensions. pensions. Everything about it is about how do I get more money out of the pensions. We had one individual at the city of Phoenix. He was a firefighter. He wasn't at the top. He walked away. Now this is walkaway money. When they, you know, they literally retire, they get a check at retirement. Retire at
1: forty-two. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, fifty-one was <laughs> 51. the retirement age, but they retired. He retired at uh, fifty-one, with one point three million dollars in cash he received, and then he received a pension for life at one hundred forty-six thousand dollars a year. And so what they did is he also spiked his pension an additional forty thousand from that. He was supposed to get one twenty-six, but he got one hundred forty-six thousand a year. Because what they do is they add in all these retirement days, all these things are hidden from the public and you'll never see any of this stuff in it. So I appreciate what you're doing here because you're literally exposing the stuff that the media will not do. Nobody's talking about this stuff. In the middle class America in particular, because they pay all the taxes, they're getting ripped off. They're getting, and they
1: blame guys like Trump for right. the ripoff when it's really their public service ripping it's, them off.
2: It's the people who are claiming the other person – you know, that people like Trump are doing the wrong thing. They're the ones that are ripping it off. Yeah. And we've got multiple examples here too.
1: And once again, this is not just Phoenix, Arizona. No. This is worldwide. It's Wherever Everywhere. So you have a new paper out that people can get from you. Yes. And I, I, I was going through it, and it's really, really a horrible thing you did here.
2: I know. It, it took me a year to put this together because, yeah. you know, we've always been talking about how bad pensions are or how, you know, the average. How the
1: government rips, rips us off. Yeah, how
2: government rips us off. What I wanted to do is I put all the documentation together and basically came up with, How government waste really works and how it's a a true ripoff and it's done on purpose.
1: And how they steal your money.
2: How you are stolen from. If you're a
1: taxpayer, this is how you get robbed by your own people. You elect to office. Right. And these people are the do-gooders. Your paper is government profiting off the poor and the need for modern government reform. And some of your examples in here, because we're both – you're a real estate guy. I'm a real estate guy. Mm -hmm. It's disgusting. The poor pay more for government housing, then, what was that example you gave?
2: Well, what we did is, for example, government's always been known as being the one that provides affordable housing for the poor, right? They're the government, and everyone has to trust the government. Do not trust the government. That's the first part. And you're, of it. you're a
1: government worker.
2: I work in the government. Yeah. That's right. I do. I'm do. i a councilman. I'm a city council member. But so I've been out, I'm able to expose this because I'm able to get the information. You're on the inside, right? Totally. And this took me months to get because people kept giving me misinformation. I had to keep digging and digging. But the bottom line is this the city of Phoenix, and this is happening across the country and the world. And the world, exactly. And so the city of Phoenix wanted to build affordable housing for the poor. And this
1: that sounds good. It
2: sounds good. Sounds it's what I call good graft. It's a good idea numbers. until you get the numbers. It's like a schoolhouse. Everybody wants to build a schoolhouse. It's hard to say no to, and you always want to vote for that, right? right? But when you get into the fundamentals about how the government then steals after the good part of it is, that's the graft part of this. So, what the government does is it literally goes in there, it self selects, it chooses themselves as the developer and they up the price on there. So That's we had called conflict of interest. It's and I've got it in the paper too. I walk through the conflict of interest in there too. I cover everything. I literally tie everything together into one con- easy thing for people to be able to conceptualize and why government does this. So for example, the private sector in Phoenix in the most expensive area in the city of Phoenix, apartments were selling for $277,000 a door. These are the 26- best areas it was the best area, highest priced in the market at the time. The city of Phoenix is building affordable housing in an area that most people would say is not a very good area at all. On land we already owned at two hundred eighty-one thousand dollars a door. Give the numbers again. Two seventy-seven for private sector, Beautiful. upgraded valet service. I mean, incredible wood floors. It is one of the most. It was the most upgraded it's a safe apartment neighborhood and insanely safe, co- completely protected. Yeah. The city of Phoenix is building affordable housing at $281,000 a door. So So
1: where is the money going?
2: Here's what's happening. We self-select. We had bids for $150,000 a door. We could have doubled the amount of units for the poor, doubled that for them, right? And the taxpayer would have been protected. Everybody would have been protected there. But what government is doing, and this is happening across the country, it's happening in all these cities where you're seeing these riots. People want more. They're not getting it. Nobody's getting anything because the government's stealing it. So the money comes in, we select ourselves to be the developer, we take the extra cash, we charge more money for it because our pension costs are so high, uh, we, someone has to fund that. The average cost per employee at the City of Phoenix is $110,000 per person for 13,000 employees. they got to get the money from somewhere. So these federal programs, these extra taxes that are coming in, they're using that to subsidize themselves. So they get pay raises every single year. When they, the public was struggling through the really bad times of 2008 and 2009, government consistently gave themselves pay raises through that So bad the money break.
1: comes in from the taxpayer, either federal or local or state. And it goes to government employees' pensions and salaries.
2: Right. Because everyone trusts them, supposedly. Yeah. Do not trust them.
1: And they're angry at Trump for being a rich man.
2: That they're the same ones because he's coming in trying to make yeah. these reforms.
1: What really upsets me is the poor and middle class blame the rich when it's really our government employees. Mm-hmm. So when we come back with Dr. Moore to sell this issue, councilman sell this Personal friend disclosed that I support his campaign because of this. But he's a straight shooter out there. He really works against the labor unions. I'm not against labor unions. I'm against corruption and ripping off the taxpayer. It makes me absolutely sick. So anyway, we're talking about who do we trust today? You know, do you trust your government officials? For example, the CalPERS, which is the largest state state employer pension plan in the United States, they wouldn't disclose what was inside their pensions. And finally, I believe it was the LA Times sued them, and they finally disclosed their underwater $1 trillion. Now, a trillion dollars is not a big number, one, you know, one, but that's $1,000 How are we going to pay for that? And then all over the world, there's a thing called kleptocracy going on. A kleptocracy is not a democracy. A kleptocracy is basically where your public officials come to office poor and leave rich on taxpayer money or bribes or things like this. And it's going all over the world. So once again, it's Rich Dad Radio. So what we're talking about today, the good news and bad news about our government officials, you can listen to our program anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android. And all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them because we think they're important to listen to again. Listen to this again. You may learn something more. But more importantly, you can share this program with friends and family, especially when you start thinking about who is ripping us off. Is Donald Trump ripping us off or the politicians that we elect to take care of us ripping us off? So our guest today is Councilman Sal Sisio for full disclosure, personal friend. We work on a lot of personal projects together and all this, trying to fight off the bureaucrats. And uh, But he, I respect him tremendously because he's the only guy I know who's taken on the labor unions in the state of Arizona. And for full disclosure, my dad, poor dad, was one of those people, Ph.D., academic type head of the labor union, and they have a different point of view. So Sal is a Phoenix City Councilman, and he has a paper called Government Profiting Profiting Off the Poor. And if you would like a copy of this white paper, Sal, how did they get a copy of it?
2: They can get through with another government long email address, but it's six at phoenix.gov, Robert.
1: Okay, and in there you're explaining how governments rip the people off. Yeah, what, what I did. Because you're is, an
2: insider, you know how they do it. Oh, totally. Well, it took a while. It took me over a year to write this paper because I started looking at government waste. I started, and you are so right about this. It is not a Republican or Democrat issue. No, that's an insider game. That's people really stealing from the public, where you have government employees that are doing better than the middle class by far. Somebody's got to pay. You ask the question: Where does, you know, where did the money go? Somebody's got to pay for all the pay, the benefits, and the pension costs. So what they're doing is they're taking all this money in from the public because everyone's supposed to trust the government. Because of the lack of transparency, the conflict of interest that are just innate in government right now, they're stealing from the public. They're stealing from the middle class. They're stealing from the public. They're stealing from the taxpayer.
1: And and the way the the average person is losing their wealth is by two things. One is inflation. Second is taxes. Mm -hmm. And we're going broke. So that's what's going on. It's a
2: legalized corruption is what it is, Robert. And you said that earlier, and it's exactly right. uh,
1: Anyway, our second guest today is Andrew Briggs. He's a resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute, and he's a former deputy commissioner for policy at the Social Security Administration. Almost everybody knows there's nothing inside the – there is no such thing as a Social Security Trust Fund. At least I don't think there is one. So, anyway, it's Andrew Biggs, and he specializes in retirement policy, public sector pay, and other issues. Welcome to the program, Andrew.
3: Hey, thanks very much for having me. Good to be with you today.
1: Yeah, what what um, what was it like working in the Social Security Administration?
3: <laughs> well, um, you have a lot of very dedicated people there, mostly mostly non-political, um, and I work mostly on the policy side of things. This was back in the Bush administration, you know, trying to get uh, you know, research done about Social Security and retirement security and, and trying to get some policies in place that will improve that. Um, so it's, yeah, you know, working for government can be uh, interesting at times, but, you know, also at times it's, uh, you, you find some very good work done there.
1: But the question is, is Social Security viable? Is there going to be money there for their baby boomers and their kids?
3: Well, you know, in a certain sense, you'd say definitely yes, in that, you know, as long as you're collecting Social Security taxes, which is, you know, 12.5% of your wages, you know, as long as they're collecting that payroll tax, there's going to be money to go out the door to pay benefits. Uh, the question though is, you know, do you have enough money to pay the benefits you've promised? And the answer to that is, under current projections, certainly no. Um, You know, depending on you know whether you believe Social Security or the Congressional Budget Office, we're looking somewhere in the late 2020s when the Social Security trust fund runs out. Um, You know, I agree that. You know, the trust fund is, is sort of IOUs we've written to ourselves. It doesn't have much economic meaning. But legally, when the trust fund runs out, the government's required to cut benefits. It can't pay benefits that it doesn't have money in the trust fund so to, would, to back up.
1: That's a very important point. Would you talk about inside the trust fund are IOUs? What does that mean to the average person?
3: Well, from the mid-80s up until about 2009, Social Security ran surpluses, which means it collected more in, in payroll taxes than it paid out in benefits. And the, what happened then is Social Security is required to use that money to buy these special-issue non-tradable Treasury bonds, and those bonds go into the trust fund, you know, which is really a, you know, a filing cabinet in West Virginia, but that's, that's what happens. Um, the treasury department meaning the rest of the government takes the cash and they use it for whatever they're going to they're going to spend money on once social security run, starts running deficits which happened from 2010 and will continue on forever basically social security can redeem those bonds and get them back and and get the money back from the rest of the government so it means that um, you know at this point that Redeeming those trust fund bonds means that the rest of the government has to either raise taxes, cut spending, borrow some more, um, which you know, are, are precisely the same choices you would have if you didn't have a trust fund in the first place. So it's it, economically – and there, there's a lot of research that looks at it, says that the trust fund doesn't have a lot of economic meaning. It's not a real store of value as if you had stocks and, and corporate bonds. But it does give the legal right to Social Security to continue to cut full benefit checks. Once that trust fund runs out, um, the law says Social Security has to cut back checks to whatever level is payable just with the taxes they collect. That would mean across-the-board benefit cuts are around 25%. So I don't think that's going to happen in practice. But the reality is the longer you wait to fix the problem, the harder it is to get. If you wait till 2030 to fix this thing, you're going to have a big fat tax increase or a big fat benefit cut to take care of. If we start phasing in changes soon, it's a lot easier to handle.
1: So let me ask this question. So the question about IOU versus is, – is, it's a simple term, debt versus equity. And I don't know if it was George W. Bush, but I also heard something he said – You've been better off if you put the money in the stock market rather than the bond market. Is there any valid, validity you, to you, that?
3: Yes, but it's the, the the difference is subtler than people think. The difference is of whether you're better off or not. It doesn't come down to whether stocks pay higher returns than bonds. That's not the issue. I mean, stocks pay higher returns than bonds cuz they're riskier than bonds. So it's just that that's not what's going on. But what what I think really would have been beneficial is if instead of taking that money, giving it to you know, those Social Security surpluses, giving them to the Treasury Department to spend on you know, additional government stuff, if they had taken that money and invested in something else, stocks, corporate bonds, you, know, you name it. That would have prevented that money from being spent in the past, and that means we would have extra money today to pay Social Security benefits without having the rest of the government raise taxes, cut benefit or cut spending or borrow. Okay. So, so it's, the, the issue isn't the interest rate you're getting on the money. The issue is, are you actually setting money aside for the future? And right. we didn't really. That's do the that.
1: question. And when we come yeah, back, we I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to ask you this: You know, like you have, you have what 70 million baby boomers in America and baby boomers all over the world starting to count on that so-called so security and when we come back I want to talk to you about what would you say to you know my generation the baby boomers about so security can they count on it and what should they do so once again our guest today our councilman Sal de sicio Arizona City Council since 2009. He has a white paper called Government Profiting Off the Poor. He's researched it. He used to be, like me, a real estate guy, real estate developer. So he comes from a capitalist background. And it took him a long time to dig this out, is how these government officials actually steal from the taxpayers. And then people get angry at capitalists like Trump for not taking a paycheck and not paying taxes either, you know, and all this stuff. So the average person has no idea what's going on. And our second guest is Andrew Britt. Biggs, B-I-G-G-S, he's a resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute and former deputy commissioner for policy at the Social Security Administration. He specializes in retirement policy, public sector pay, and other issues, the same thing that Sal DeSisi was concerned about. So when we come back, we'll be talking about, you know, it really comes down, we can talk about policy all day long. But let's say, you know, today you're 65 years old, You got a 401K with nothing, maybe 400,000 in it, and they want to count on Social Security. You know, can you survive? That is really coming down the question. And if you say, well, it's not my problem, because I'm 25, but what if your father is 65 with nothing, he's gonna move in with you? You know what I mean? So this is really about, you know, basically the lack of basic financial education in our school system and in our government. This is my whole complaint, why I created Rich Dad Poor Dad, because poor dad was a highly educated academic with no financial education. And when he lost his job because he had the audacity to be like Sal DeSisio and run against the governor as lieutenant governor, they canned him. They, they just crushed him. And he never got a job in government again. So his all of his retirement plans were gone at 50 he had nothing. They took everything away from him. They made sure, I call it the government syndicate, the mafia. Uh, they make sure you cross their paths, they'll crush you. And Sal's had the experience that personally. And I know that myself because the labor unions have come to visit me also. Today we're talking to Councilman Sal Sisio serving Phoenix, Arizona. And he's been a city councilman since 2009. And our special guest today is Andrew Biggs. He's a resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute and is a former deputy commissioner for policy at the Social Security Administration. He specializes in retirement policy, public sector pay, and other issues, which is what we're talking about. And Councilman Saldesia has just written a white paper called Government Profiting Off the Poor. It's how, you know, there was an old saying that thank God we don't get all the government we pay for. <laughs> I think we're getting a lot more than we're paying for in kind of graft and corruption, what I call kleptocracy. And my big complaint is how many so-called politi- politicians all over the world enter political office poor and exit rich. That's kleptocracy. You're not there to serve the people. You're there to serve yourself. And I travel the world. And this is going on all over the world. So it's a fascinating subject. So. Sal sees government from the inside because he is the government here. So, Sal, what are some of the things you see going on in Phoenix?
2: Well, it's, I go back to what you said at the very beginning is where'd the money go? Well, I can explain. I mean, just I'm going to throw out some of these numbers real quick. This that's, is just the city what of white Phoenix. is about. Explain that's what,
1: how they disappear the money.
2: Yeah, what I did is I tied it all together. It's not just about the pensions. It's about everything together. The pensions are the one of the, if not the biggest, biggest. issue. But the government needs this money to pay themselves.
1: Well, like you say, there's 50 Phoenix... Right. Politicians who will receive $173 well, million.
2: Well, 50 government staffers, the top. Staff. They're the top. I use this in the paper and I've got the documentation. So let me throw these numbers
1: 173 out. $173 is a lot of right.
2: money. By the time that they're 78, they will walk away with $173 million. The city of Phoenix has 13,000 employees. Our average cost, total compensation, because you got to look at the full number, is $110,000 per person.
1: That's what it costs the taxpayer Per year.
2: It's unsustainable. A starting clerk at the city of Phoenix, starting, first lowest level that we have, 40 and a half days off their first year, Cadillac benefits. Somebody has to pay for that. So what they're doing is they're literally taking money from all these projects, from all these government dollars coming in from the federal government, from tax increases, from proje- from budgets with, that we have within there, and they're funneling this in to pay for all these benefits. So it's, they it's never cut going, themselves.
1: It's, it's not going, the taxes are not going to the taxpayer. No, the money is going back to the government.
2: It just goes to the government employee. So when you look at government waste, everyone talks about well, how you know how does an apartment building, a par- affordable housing apartment complex, cost, cost it, more cost more than the luxury highest, than a luxury apartment at two hundred eighty one thousand a door versus private sector at two seventy seven thousand a door in the highest, best place in the city of Phoenix. It's because we steal the money, we take it. It's legal. It's you use the best um, example. It's legalized corruption. They take a good cause, and then they fund it, and they fund themselves is what's happening.
1: They smokescreen it as we're helping the poor, but they're helping themselves.
2: That's exactly what's occurring.
1: And our other guest today is Andrew Beggs again. Oh, yeah, and the, your white paper, Government Profiting Off the Poor, and you can explain how the government does this here. So how do you, how do they get that again? What's your uh,
2: website? six at phoenix.gov. We'll send you the entire paper. It, cre- it has all the le- documentation. How do they do it? And I use all the city of Phoenix numbers. I don't use my own. I use theirs.
1: Good. Thank you. And Andrew Biggs, again, is Andrew is a resident scholar at American Enterprise Institute and is a former deputy commissioner for policy at Social Security Administration. He specializes in retirement policy, public sector pay, and other issues. During the break, Andrew and Sal and I were talking about, let's talk about a bigger picture. What's going on in Puerto Rico? Is it same, same, sound the same to you, or are the similarities?
3: Well, sure, in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm uh, in, in addition to my day job working on Social Security and, and retirement issues. I'm a member of the. A financial Oversight Board that is uh, supervising some of the financial restructuring in Puerto Rico, and yeah, you know, they've had similar problems to a lot of the the mainland states, where you know pension costs got out of control, health costs got to be very very high, the economy was weak, and they got to a point where they couldn't they couldn't pay their bills, they they couldn't balance their budget, they couldn't pay their their debts, and so we're there to try to help structure something together, you know, kind of get things going again. let um, that's, you asked,
1: know, the me this question: Was some of the problem that the government officials were paying themselves too much in pay and benefits
3: well it's for government officials itself it's very difficult to tell Data there is not what it is in a, in a place like Arizona in the sense of trying to get a, a firm hold on what, what actually is going on but you know i 'll say that in general. Uh, public employees got a got a better deal than private sector workers did. in Puerto They're, Rico. Their wages were very competitive. Sure, their That's, wages are competitive. It's the
2: same in Arizona. A oh, sure. Without a doubt, in Phoenix, at least the, the not only the wages are high, but all the extra benefits, all the health benefits, everything you don't see. The it's the lack of transparency. Yeah,
1: my biggest competitor is my own government for for workers and pay. How does Greece and Puerto Rico play out in your mind?
3: Well they, they had similar problems in, in the sense of... You know, co- government costs and government spending running away from the economy's ability to service it. They also had similar issues in that you know, Greece was tied to the euro. Uh, Puerto Rico is tied to the dollar. If you were some small independent country, they would often play with their currency, devalue their currency, kind of regain some competitiveness in terms of international trade. That's not something that was open either to Greece or to Puerto Rico. So it means you have to find other ways of doing it, other ways of trying to get the economy going again. So I'm not saying that either on for either place on net they you know shouldn't be in the EU or in the U.S. Right, but it 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 means you've got to think of different policy levers to try to get things going again.
1: So so then let's boil it back down to the big picture of the United States. Do you see similar challenges or as Puerto Rico and Greece in the U.S
3: those places are, are ahead of where the the rest of the u.s. is in the sense of let's say you look at illinois which is a a state which is not exactly fiscally responsible <laughs> you know if they keep going the way they're going then eventually they could end up like puerto rico or greece um... so it's those places should be warnings and it should be warnings yeah, at the federal level as well you know at the federal level we say well if we don't fix entitlement programs, social security medicare boy you know someday we're going to have a, of a crisis it'll be hard And when you're actually dealing with a place that's in a fiscal crisis like Puerto Rico, you realize how incredibly difficult it is and the sacrifices you're going to ask people to take in all areas of their lives. And it happens because people in the past chose not to live up to their responsibilities. They chose to push costs to the future instead of making decisions today. So it really is a very valuable warning, and I hope people pay attention to it.
1: So what's happening, Well, first of all, is I have a friend who moved to Puerto Rico because they gave him tax breaks, and uh, other friends who moved out of Puerto Rico because they didn't want to be taxed. So, I mean, you know, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a keystone cop type of thing going on, people moving in, people moving out. and
3: well, Sure. Well, tax policy is incredibly important to them and they, in the past they 've used it in very strategic ways to attract say pharmaceutical companies and things like that and i 'm not saying they should totally abandon that, but at the same time, what they really need to think about what everybody needs to think about every is how do we give people a reason to live here and to produce things here? Right. You know, give people a, a, you know, on a broad basis a rationale for starting a business in your area, and that comes from a broader environment that is friendly in terms of your, your, your regulatory basis, is friendly in terms of, of labor costs and the whole deal. Um, and so just trying to pick and choose and target is, I think, not the best approach. I think just try to make yourself economically attractive. Okay, so the path, what? So, I think it's a broader-based path to prosperity.
1: What is the problem with Illinois as far as the pensions and all that? Because I, I I read stuff, but I don't get much clarity from it. What's going on there? Well,
3: the process there gets very captured by public employee unions who you know, benefit greatly from the pensions. You know, they're very politically involved. They're very aware of the issues. I mean, you know, I don't I don't blame them for that. But what it means is the ordinary citizens don't pay that much attention to it. They don't understand how generous the pensions is. They don't understand what's being paid to finance them. And that's so what, what you're saying, Sal. Illinois, that's
1: what Sal is saying. Exactly.
3: Sure. But, you know, what happened in a place like Illinois is they've never adequately funded their pensions. They just, you know, they find some actuary who con, you know, construct some formula where it looks like they're funding them, but they're really not. And then, yet, yeah, but at some point, you know, the, the chickens come home to roost and you guys start paying for it. And what does... And what does
1: that look like when the – because you know what else I heard, Andrew, was that you pay all these public employees in Illinois, these huge pensions, and they all move to Florida. So the money leaves Illinois.
3: Well, it's, I think it's even bigger than that because <laughs> once you start raising taxes to cover the cost of the pensions, then your taxpayers move. That's then what that's really in- – that's, you know, that's I'm not, the point. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about the retirees. I'm talking about the businesses and right. the employees who have to pay it. And they can very easily shift across the border to some other state where the taxes are going to be lower. So you have very limited ability, just you don't have a captive tax base. And you know, I mean, I'm, I mean, like Arizona has benefited from this in the sense that it's a more fiscally responsible state than California is. So California can't just tax its way out of its problems with CalPERS because at some point people will leave, and so they need to find ways to to meet their commitments, moderate their commitments, and, and and do this in a way that's going to keep their state kind of an economically viable enterprise.
1: Okay, once again, Robert of The Rich Day Radio Show, our two guests today, very important people, Sal DeCiccio, councilman for the District 6, and Andrew Biggs, resident scholar, American Enterprise Institute and former deputy commissioner for policy at the Social Security Administration. And we're talking about the basically the high cost of government employees' salaries and benefits and pensions, which uh, Councilman Sisio wrote a policy called Government Profiting Off the Poor, white paper, you can get it from him and read it, how the government rips us off. But I think Andrew Biggs said it best, the reason they can do it is we don't pay attention. And so that's what the Rich Dad Radio Show is about, mm-hmm. is we gotta start paying attention, is how the, you know, we're here from the government, we're here to help you and me take, take my money out of your, your you know, it's horrible. The quick question, will Trump uh, change anything, uh, Andrew?
3: Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, he's focusing on, on things that he he promised to focus on in the election. On things like Social Security, he basically said he didn't want to touch it. Um, so what's is, your thought on you know, that? The issue is you have to touch it sooner or later. I mean, okay. economic growth, no matter how high it is, is not gonna fix the problem. So if you have to touch it sooner or later, why not touch it sooner? Because then then the changes are easier to make. If from, you know, I'll say I'm a right-leaning, fiscally conservative person. I think I would prefer to fix Social Security by reducing benefits for middle and high-income people who can and would save more on their 401ks, and I prefer to do that over raising taxes. The longer you wait to fix Social Security, the more likely it is you're going to do it by raising taxes because more and more people become... Beneficiaries rather than taxpayers, and the the changes you need to make become more drastic. And when they're really dramatic, you're you're more likely to do that in the tax than the benefit side. So, you know, if you care about fixing Social Security in the right way, which in my view is moderating the cost of the system, you know, putting it off, it makes it a lot harder to do that.
1: Sal, what would you recommend to the average person, the taxpayer? I mean, you can say, well, let's pay attention, but that doesn't do much good, I don't think,
2: you know. Well, it's really hard because. You know, the average taxpayer works hard. They go home. They got their family. They got their kids. They've got everything going on. They trust the government and the government elected officials to take care of them, when in fact that this is not happening. I think that the thing that they can do right now is stay away from the mainstream media and get their information from others like this, like this white paper from Andrew Biggs's, um, you know,
1: American Anthony. Enterprise.
2: Yeah, that's where you need to start getting your information from.
1: So, Andrew, what would you say to the baby boom generation, 1946 and 1964? They're now at the point where their 401ks are going to manda- mandatory withdrawal at 70 and a half and Social Security and Medicare. I mean, they, is it a possibility that some of them may outlive their pensions?
3: Well, you know, I mean, I work a, a ton on this. I am uh, When it comes to retirement issues, I'm actually a lot more optimistic than the, than the typical person. Um, I mean, Social Security, is, uh, leaving Social Security solvency off the table. I mean, Social Security goes under, then all bets are off. But what you find with retirees is they don't spend down their assets nearly as fast as most people think they will. And the reason for that is most retirees just don't spend as much as middle-aged people do. You know, They're not buying expensive houses and fast cars and all that. They're watching you know, Wheel of Fortune or whatever. <laughs> and so it's, it, if you actually look at how people's you know, net worth and their financial assets track over the retirement, you'd expect that we'd be drawing these down and running out of money. The reality is the typical household or financial assets are going to rise over time. And they actually, even as they get older, they got more money available for entertainment, for um, uh, charitable contributions for gifts to their family. So I'm pretty optimistic about that. But if you don't fix Social Security, then all bets are off. I mean, because that is such a huge part of people's retirement income, and especially for lower-income people. So I think the, the bigger, you know, people go on with, oh, people aren't saving, 401Ks aren't working. That's not your problem. Your problem is the entitlement programs of Social Security and Medicare, and are they going to be sustainable for people?
1: Well, I thank uh, both Councilman Sal D'Assissio and Andrew Biggs for your contribution, your insights, because you guys are inside the problem looking out at it. Everybody's interested in money and especially the people that are stealing from you. They, oh, no, Trump is stealing from us. I think it's the people who say that, that they're not interested in money are the people that are stealing from us. So our program today was with Sal DeSisio, District 6 Councilman. What he says, every time he comes in to hear, my blood boils. How can our own public officials rip us off this badly? How can they sit there and say, oh, Trump is the crook, when they're the biggest effing crooks there are out there. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. You know, and not to call names, but there are people in my own family who triple dip. And what I mean by triple dip, they only take jobs so they can get the pensions. So they'll have two and three pensions coming in for the rest of their lives while the rest of us are trying to, you know, pay into social security and make payments here and our 401ks and put our kids through school. Our government officials are ripping us off. That's what I'm trying to say here. If I can't make it any more clearer than that, that's why you should get councilman decisios. Government profiting off the poor. Yeah, I'm here for the government. I'm here to help the poor. No, they're helping themselves because they're poor. They're just like my poor debt highly, highly educated academic people. Not a clue about money. Get his white paper and you'll find out exactly because it took him a while. Sal's a friend of mine because he used to be a real estate developer and he got sick and tired of corruption he went into the government. And he's actually taken on the labor unions. They've come to visit him. They've come to visit me because also my poor dad was head of the unions, the teachers union. Anyway, there's a lot of greed going on there in the name of helping the poor. You know, that's really sad. And our second guest was Andrew Biggs, and I thank him, he's a resident scholar at American Enterprise Institute, former deputy commissioner for the policy of the Social Security Administration. And as he said to as he said to Councilman DeCiccio during the break, he says, you think you have problems? I got Puerto Rico. <laughs> And again, the problem is the same. We have bureaucrats, highly educated, a lot of them with PhDs, with no financial education, and the only way they can get rich is ripping off you and me. We had a, we had another guy, a uh, cu- couple of people yesterday, a couple of days ago, he said the Federal Reserve is filled with a 1,000 PhD economists, all with DBs. A DB is Defined Benefit Pension Plan. In other words, they joined the Fed and they get a paycheck for the rest of their lives. The same with senators and congressmen and president. They get a paycheck for life. You and me, we get schwats. We get nothing. So that's what's really going on. They're, we're being ripped off by the people and government. And then they blame Trump, was a friend of mine, for being a crook. And you know, Trump is the guy that's trying to drain the swamp. So this is that. This program is so so important. So this is Ask Robert. You guys know my point of view. You can submit your questions at askrobert at richdadradio.com.
0: Melissa, what's the first question for Ask Robert? Our first question today comes from Ingrid in California. Favorite book, Unfair Advantage. She says, I have $9,000 in a past job 401k and 2,500 in a Roth IRA. After reading Second Chance and listening to the show about how smart Trump is, I realize that I've been ripped off. Should I bite the bullet and withdraw my money Or is there a way I can invest this money without suffering the tax consequences?
1: That's a great question, but this is the big question I ask everybody listening. What does school teach you about money? I'll say it again. What does school teach you about money? So if we have a bunch of academic PhDs running the economy, you ever wonder why we're in trouble? Do You wonder why when Councilman DeCisio comes in and talks about a police officer retiring at 50 with millions of dollars for being a police officer? All they know how to do is steal from you. So that's step number one. You better start asking yourself, why doesn't school teach us about money? The next question should be then, what do I need to learn? Because what you do depends upon who you are and what you know. See, what I would do, I mean, I don't need the money, but what I would do is I would study. I would start taking classes and learning and practicing because it takes time. But most people aren't willing to do that. They'd rather just yank their money out, pay the thing, and then they put it in savings and lose their money. Look, what's ripping you guys off, every one of us off, is number one is inflation and taxes. So you put your money in the bank and your wealth gets ripped off by saving money in your 401k or IRA or the bank, and then taxes rip you off. You know, why don't you think about that? Then the question is what should you do and what do I need to learn? It's a question I asked myself years ago in 1973 when I came back from Vietnam and found my dad unemployed. He was 50 years old at the time, I was about 25. And he told me to go back to the school, get my master's, my PhD. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a war, we have wars, Actually, wars going on inside families today. Some people love Trump and some people hate Trump. You know, in my friend's family, one sister, has multiple master's degrees, and she loves to hate Trump. She loves Hillary, and she believes the government should give her money because she deserves it. Her husband believes the same thing. And they're at war with her brother who doesn't think that way. He thinks we should make our own money. So again, a lot of it has to do with the answer to the question is who are you, what do you learn, and what, what is your point of view? you think the government should pay, pay for you, take care of the rest of the life, then you may want to go get a job with the government. Next question, Melissa.
0: Our next question comes from Mark in Flagstaff, Arizona. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It says, I've got a pension from a large national company that's not publicly traded. Knowing what's happening with the pension crisis situation, is it wise to bail out now and take a hit and at least receive some of my retirement money?
1: I can't answer that for you, and I don't know the name of your company. But at this point, I would be, you know, looking around for people who do know the so-called the uh, triple ratings of your company's pension. We have a lot of guests coming on the program, and we're all saying the same thing. And we, we have like David Stockman, who was insider at Reagan's campaign, and he understands Greenspan very well. And in the sense, Wall Street very well because he worked at Solomon Brothers. So pay attention to the Rich Dad Radio Program. Another guest that we have on a regular basis is James Rickards. His latest book is The Road to Ruin. Everyone in my company is now reading that book. If you want to find out how you're being ripped off, the way that Sal DeSisio wrote, government profiting from the poor people, I think that's where it begins. You better understand how the people you trust are ripping you off and then blaming Trump for ripping them up. See, Trump doesn't pay taxes, and he uses debt. Now, should you do that? Not if you don't have any financial education, because I don't pay taxes either legally, and I'm loaded with debt. But can you do that, or that depends upon you? If you don't know anything, then you should just put your money in a bond fund and buy, hold, and pray and hope it's there. What you do depends upon what you know. Next question, Melissa.
0: Our next question comes from Wyatt in Santa Cruz, California. Favorite book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. He says, what is the end game with local and state governments with the lack of pension funding for the future? If the money isn't there, it isn't there. So what's the answer? Won't taxpayers be on the hook one way or another?
1: Yes, (laughs) that's the only answer. That's the reason for this program. You know, that's an old saying is, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. Not to help you, they're here to help themselves. You know, these call called carpet after the Civil War. And also we have that other statement, You know, thank God we don't get all the government we pay for. Well, when the bills come for all the pensions and benefits these guys are getting, we're paying for a lot more than we're ever getting. We're paying people to steal from us. And these are the people we elect to office or the bureaucrats. But the real problem starts in our educational system. I'll ask this question again. What does school teach you about money? And how can we have so many academic PhDs with defined benefit pension plans versus defined contribution pension plans, which most of us have, like the 401k and IRA? Why do we have all these highly educated academic PhDs like Bernanke and Yellen, who are school teachers basically, who know nothing about the real world, running the biggest economy in the world? Why do we have people like my poor dad running the financial system of America? That's my question. And that's why I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I think you better be very careful. What is our education system teaching our kids and you? And why, are they, why is there no financial education in our school? So that's why the Rich Dad Company has the Rich Dad Radio Show. We're doing our best to bring you up to speed.